Okay, so again, it's, it's the worst question for any Tom Petty fan, I think, usually, is if you had to pick one album, what would you say is your favorite Tom Petty album? Um, overall, it's an album, uh, Mojo. Okay, yeah, yeah. And for the reasons we talked about, that sort of that, yeah, that presence yeah, in there. Right, right. I mean, but if you're talking about individual songs, Stand the Torpedoes. Okay. Yeah, but um, but yeah, those those are certainly... Uh, there's. Is there a bad Tom Petty album? For nope. <laughs> there really isn't, and... Again, that's something that when when I went back and did that deep dive into this into this artist catalog that I knew nothing about, album after album, yeah, there's a f maybe a handful of songs that I don't think are in that sort of that top shelf. But as as albums themselves, they're all just you think how this guy's going to run out surely at some point. Surely, this, surely after the tenth album, he's going to run out of ideas. Surely after the twelfth album, he's going to run out of ideas. Dylan did. Dylan kind of had a bit of a you know a dip in his his later period career. Springsteen, I don't think has had a a huge album that I've loved to that extent for maybe 10, 15, 20 years, the quality never top, dropped with Tom. The albums were just always, and always different and interesting too. Yeah, Mojo comes out of nowhere. That doesn't sound like anything the band's recorded. Sounds like nothing that anyone was putting out into the mainstream at that time. Hypnotic Eye is another tone shift again. So no, I don't think he did write a single bad album. Not one. Well, let's talk Let's talk. Um, reforming Mudcrutch. Oh, I mean... Right? Who does that? So he he brings the guys back, right? <laughs> and goes, okay, so we're going to start recording tomorrow. You guys bring any songs? You know, yeah, okay. Well, you know, so they look over the songs. They would finish a song and Tom would go, okay, I'll see you tomorrow morning. He'd go off. He'd write another song. Just incredible. And and he did that time and time again yeah. while they're recording. It's like, how do you do that? Um, so, and then... Uh, uh, Mud Crutch too. I think they had a little more time to record, uh, yeah. and then they went on a big tour. I mean, who who goes back and and puts <laughs> together their their high school band <laughs> and tours with it? I know, as an arena rocker, when you can pack, you know, ten to thirty, forty thousand people into an arena, we're going to go back and play little sort of fifteen hundred seaters or two thousand seaters. Like again, I can't think of an example of anyone ever doing that. Now Not at that level, now you got two. Mike Campbell, and Mike, the dirty of course, yeah, yeah, of course. Literally, I think he, I think he took that as inspiration. I mean, they they played every dive in America yeah. You yeah. Know, on this tour, you know, and uh, and my friend, in the, once again, the guy that came with me that was in the music business, he goes, they got guitar techs. He goes, <laughs> they never have guitar techs at a bar. You never bring <laughs> guitar techs at a bar. He goes, you're getting a arena show. In a tiny bar. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much the way. Yeah, and it's right there. It's right there in front of you. You know, there's again, I think yeah. it must be, it must be a thrill for those, for those guys who've been at that level for so long and they're on a stage that's, you know, 20 feet away from the audience, they're elevated, but just to get back playing where you can see the whites of their eyes, it must be kind of, it must be a bit terrifying as well, but it must be just a huge rush to be able to do that. I think. Mike, Mike would, um, and he did that that night, but he did it on a number of nights. He would grab, he would gracefully grab one of the ladies hats yeah. and give them his and he would wear their hat for a song and he did that every night i think so he was yeah. that close i mean he was that yeah. close you just you know so there was you the the front row was filled with ladies yeah. <laughs> you couldn't get into the front row <laughs> they had to be behind the ladies <laughs> so it's like okay oh that's so awesome Okay, so your quite, second question and leading on from that is actually, and I, I think I probably know the answer to this then as we've just been talking about it. So Mudcrutch or Traveling Wilburys? Mudcrutch. Yeah. Uh, 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 now, God, it's, 
<laughs> Traveling Wilburys is just an amazing, amazing band with an amazing, I mean, maybe the most amazing band of all time, right? You know, think about oh, possibly, the, yeah. the Beatles, perhaps, you know. Um, it's, it's you know, Bob Dylan, Roy Orbison, Jeff Lynn, Tom, Tom uh, Petty, and, and George, you know, it's like, wow. <laughs> wow. Holy smokes. Um, they didn't have trouble finding songs, I bet. <laughs> oh, no. Well, it's, it's, it's crazy, too, when you go through the, that roster. And then, oh, by the way, who should we get to play drums? Ah, let's ask Jim Keltner. Just just yeah. little Jim Keltner. We'll get Jim in. You know, like, yeah, it was, it's just an insane group of musicians. I think I, I read Kelter was going, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so, you know, but but i tell you what, the more I listen, the more I've been listening to the two Mudcrutch albums, the more I've been falling in love with them. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, wow, wow. Yeah, they're, they're, so, they're so free, right? And I think it is that thing of... The Heartbreakers, you know, and again, we talked about Mudcrutch, um, Mojo, we talked about Hypnotic Eye, he's still doing his own thing, but with Mudcrutch, he's got that ability to just, he can write from a different place, and they definitely sound different. They're, they're Mudcrutch songs, they're not Heartbreakers songs. They do sound right. different, right? And of course, on the Mudcrutch too, then he lets he brings the other guys in, well, what songs do you have? And each guy takes a lead vocal. So that's, again, super cool. That's and, he, and he's playing bass. He's not playing rhythm. Well, so he yeah, takes that, that he get, get his ego yeah. out of the way and just... I'm going to start a whole new band and I'm going to play a different <laughs> instrument. Yeah. Holy moly. <laughs> so it's crazy. I, who yeah. does that? I don't know anybody, right? Well, again, you, and you dig into it and people don't realize too that he played all the drums on Highway Companion. So the guy could play drums as well. Like this guy can play everything. He's just the most one of the most naturally gifted musicians generally that I, I, that I know of. Just, just fantastic. Right. But you know, those guys devoted their life to it. There yes. was a whole lot of other life that they had. They literally ate, breathed, drank, eat yeah. you know, music. You know, they, yeah. they just, um, it, and you know, at that level, there's, it's, it's amazing to be around someone that is, that has that ability to focus them deeply, yeah. you know, and because uh, that's what it takes. It takes an immense focus. Yeah. Determination to stick with it. Yeah. And, commitment. Yeah. And, and to be around folks like that. And I haven't been around uh, too many, but uh, the ones I have is just like, wow, you know, yeah. it's really cool to be around someone like that. You, you recognize it's like, oh, this is serious. Absolutely. <laughs> it's both serious. So if you, you talk about that, you know, being able to sort of zone in and just be the, you know, not the not necessarily the best guitarist in the world. You don't aim to be, or the best singer, or the best whatever, but the best that you can be, is really right. that's and it's it's the thing that we should be telling our children. It's the thing I tell my kids. You know what? I'm not going to tell you you can be anything that you want to be because maybe you can't be a doctor. Maybe it's not the right kind of thing for you or whatever it is. But whatever it is that you do decide to do, do that to the best of your ability. And if you do that, then you can only that that's that's that, that way happiness lies. I think in life, right, is when you you know that you're putting in all your efforts and you know that you're achieving as much as you can possibly achieve in whatever it is you're doing. I, yeah. that's a good, I think that's a good thing to aim for. I think so too. I think so, so if, too. So if you could join the Heartbreakers on stage, any period um, on stage for one song, what would it be? And what instrument would you play and or sing? And we're going to make the assumption that we'll pretend that if you don't, if you don't think you're a great guitarist, let's say that you are good enough to go and stand up on stage and play with the mic and the voice. Hmm. Up on stage with Mike and the boys. Holy smokes. Um, I guess I'd probably want to play bass. Right. Okay. And and as far as singing a song, um, I, 
you know, I love Mary Jane's Last Dance. That's a yeah. terrific song. You know, that that would be. It's, I mean, uh, you know, I'd love to be able to play piano and play Melinda, but you yeah, know, that's another one. So yeah, um, uh, talk talk about you know Mary Jane's Last Dance. I was I was going to say when we were talking about that. I think that's the only, again, the only example I can think of of a greatest hits album comes out with a new song on it, which I'm always a bit skeptical about because I know that they need to put something on there for the fans to buy it. But it's the only one that I can think of where that would have actually been on the greatest hits had it not been <laughs> written for the greatest hits. Maybe even the greatest hit, right? No, it's yeah. like, you know, I'm not sure what how you pick the greatest hit, <laughs> um, but uh, certainly it would be up there in the top three. Right? For sure, it is absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, American Girl, Breakdown, and Mary Jane's Last Dance, I think, you know, but I don't know. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, I'm that's mind blowing to me. It's just mind blowing, it's crazy. And, and I don't, I don't think he realized how good it was. You know? I think that's true of a lot of the songs, right? I think it was because he was so he was humble and he wasn't sort of up himself, like it. He always brought the songs, well, this is this is what I'm thinking, this is how it sounds, these are the words for it, let's record it, and then. That is what it is. And I know that I remember listening to or reading an interview with, with Dana. I think it might even be in Paul's book in the forward or anyway, where she said like she was listening to one of his songs around the house one day. And he said, well, can you turn that off? We don't listen to, I don't listen to myself. He says, well, I do. I'm a fan. And she sort yeah. of got him back listening to some of those songs in, in Paul's Echo. old book. Says, yeah, she, got him, she got him listening oh, to Echo. Absolutely. So in, in Paul's book, he, he says, I actually, yeah, no. When I go back and listen to that, it's not as bad as I thought it was at the time. It's quite good, you know, so... Yeah, it was funny that she stood up to him and said, "Well, I'm a fan and I want to yeah. listen to this. Yeah, so we're going to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> and you can deal with that, Mister. Yeah. Okay, so who so, would yeah. be who would you be your dream opening act at a Tom Petty concert? If you could pick any band, any band from history, anybody, you know, anybody at all, who would you want? The to Beatles. See open? oh, opening Beatles. for Tom Petty. That how cool would that be? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's a joke because Tom Petty would go, "No, no, they got to." We'll, <laughs> Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, I got to see Paul um, in November. Oh, sweet. Awesome. No. And uh, I'm sorry. In in June uh, in, in New York. Uh, okay. Saw him at the Syracuse Dome. And, um, you know, I'm, it's been really interesting lately. I've been uh, noticing how people react to the Beatles. And I can't think of anybody in time that gets the reaction that the Beatles get now. You know, yeah. they're, they're almost, um, I don't know. I don't know what, the, we don't have anything to compare it to, but I will, you know, we'll, Greek gods, they're almost Greek yeah. gods, you know, to where people just lose their crap when they, <laughs> they're like, if Paul were to walk into a room, be like, yeah. You know, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. every one of us. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, because it is, it, it, there's music and then there's the Beatles and they sort of exist a little bit outside of it. And Elvis to a certain extent, I think is the same, but just because of the way he, the seismic shift in the culture that he, that he caused, it just separates. So it, it becomes, again, he's just so much bigger than the music. It's just an, an, a huge cultural thing when, you know, when anthropologists look back in 200, 250 years, if we're still around, those are the bands that they're going to talk about. Well, yeah, that was an important point in, in culture, not just music. Because they're yeah. just they're so big, right? I mean, it's just it just changed everything forever. Yeah, Elvis was huge, but you know the thing about it is, is there's a couple things. A, he was by himself. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and he died at 42, right? Um, and and we have Paul still performing at 80 years old. Yeah. Right. So that's one thing. And the other thing was that I I think um, Elvis 
Elvis really wasn't in the cultural shift of the youth in the 60s as okay. much as the Beatles were. The Beatles were right, they were at the heart of it in some yeah. respect. And um, Elvis got a tremendous fan 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 base. He, a lot of people loved him and all that, and they dearly loved him, but he didn't yeah. cause quite the uh, cultural shift that the Beatles caused. Okay. And so to and so to this day, you know, we're still hearing Beatles songs being played constantly, yeah. right? Are we hearing Elvis songs being played constantly? No, no. That's a good it, point. That's a good point. And yeah, you could say, well, the Beatles haven't worn around as long, but I I, I think the Beatles are going to going to be played five hundred years from now. I'm not yeah. so sure about Elvis's songs. So. When I you said that, I mean, I think that's one of the things about the Beatles that's actually most incredible is that their recording career was what nine nine years, I think. Nine between years. the first and last album. So and and the changes they went through as musicians as a band in that time, the first and last albums are unrecognizable as the same act in nine oh. years. Oh, in nine years. It's just incredible. Right. So yeah, no, oh. I, I would totally agree with that. And they would record a album in a you know a few days, you know? Yeah, two days on a four track. Or two right. track, I think. I think it was even two tracks the first album was recorded right. yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. It's like and, and it would just go and all right, we need another song. Just write another song. Great <laughs> hit. You know, it's like, yeah. So they and Tom had that ability to just write, you know. Absolutely. But there were four of them, right? There were only yeah. one of Tom, yeah. right? Although Mike wrote a lot of songs. So musically, yeah. And I mean, yeah, you look at the Beatles, you had three, three fantastic songwriters. And Ringo, who I love dearly, who, you know, is one of the most, again, probably not one of the most underrated because drummers love Ringo, but isn't talked about as one of the greatest rock and roll drummers of all time, if not, you know, the greatest. Um, not the strongest songwriter. I think it would be safe to say with all the love in the world, but the other three, I mean, just look at the he, body of work. They he didn't need to be, you know, no. I mean, poor George, you know, he's turned out to be a great songwriter and he couldn't get his songs on, you know, yeah. that's why he had put out a triple album when he, when he released his first album, because he had all these yeah. songs built up. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it was it was Paul and, and John uh, mostly, um, but they turn out to be all stars, all amazing, amazing folks. Do you have a favorite band member other than Tom? Uh, Mike Campbell. Yeah, yeah, sensational musician again. Just and it, another player he can play so many different styles. I was talking about that with I think it was oh, what song was that now that I was listening to, where you know you get like if you get a. Joe Bonamassa, who's a phenomenal blues player. I love listening to that guy play. When he plays heavy metal, it kind of sounds like a blues player in t impersonating heavy metal. It doesn't really have that authenticity to it. When Mike does his, like the 50s stuff, you know, Gator on the Lawn or whatever it might be, he sounds like Chet Atkins. It doesn't sound like someone doing sort of a weak copy of 50s rock and roll. It sounds like the real thing. And he's got that ability to just, he's got a chameleon-like ability to play any style properly. And because I think it's just, you know, they're all such students of music that he understands the music. He's not just he's not just playing it frivolously, right? Well, it, I I swear he he could, you know, I just saw this list of the top guitar solos, you yeah. know, and none of them were were uh, Tom Petty and Harper. Yeah, which, okay, I mean, so but... this is a bad list. Uh, yeah. But I thought, well, you know, the the, the Tom songs didn't necessarily always lend an option for him to play a, yeah. a, 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 an extended lead or anything like that. So, you know, it's like, I, in some respects, I think he's more talented than any of them, you know, in, in terms of being able to uh, 
like I said, he'll he'll put in three solos in one. You know, yeah. You get your money's worth with with the, with his solos. There's, and it's just like it's just compressed. It's just perfect. It just yeah. fits exactly where it should be. Whereas a lot of times it's just almost lazy. You know, some of yeah. the lead guitar or, or, or repetitive. Like, you know, Clapton's always hailed as one of the greatest, and he is technically a just a superb blues guitarist. But Clapton solos kind of all sound pretty much the same, really. In different periods, like that, he's not got a lot of variety in those things where you could never accuse, you know, Mike Campbell. He leans on the Chuck Berry bends every now and again. It sounds like a bit, it's got a bit of that Chuck Berry flair to it, but the number of different types of solo he can play in the different in different ways. Yeah, no, I I, I have nothing but huge admiration and respect for the guy. And okay, let's I talk would, about let's talk I about that Okay, he, sorry. He would um he would um he wouldn't necessarily practice a song before <laughs> they recorded. He would just like he would just listen to it and he would just come up with whatever yeah. you came up with it's like how do you do that you know, yeah, it's, it's lightning in a bottle right i mean it's just it, those people have yes there's the thousands and thousands of hours you play but there's an innate natural ear for music and an innate natural ability to know what goes where and that's tom and mike together had that symbiosis that very few musicians get with someone else right where they knew exactly what each other was going to do all the time and going back to ringo ringo was the yep. same way yep. he played he listened to what was going on and played to what was going on instead yep. of uh, I'm going to do this. You know, it's like, he just had his own, he, he literally could, um, well, you saw, I don't know if you saw the, the uh, get back uh, documentary. I did. And the other three were kind of off in their attention span. Ringo yep. right there. Yeah. Higher time. Totally <laughs> paying attention. And it's like, wow, wow. And he was, and they said he was. Oh, he always played terrific. Always, he never had a bad day. Someone asked know. Paul. Someone asked Paul McCartney, in I think it would have been like around two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Who's the best drummer you've ever played with? And he just kind of looked at the guy and said, "Well, Ringo. I mean, Ringo. Obviously, I mean, Abe Laboreal's a phenomenal drummer. And he's played with. He's played with some of the best in the world too. But Ringo, of course, it's Ringo. You know. So yeah. yeah <laughs> who no, else I, is he going to say? I I I think he was the best rock and roll drummer of all time, without a doubt. Because oh. of his tastefulness. Yes. You know, and he, he was perfect for each song. Come together. And, Come together. And, it's just, it's I, just, a, it's a floor tom. And people, how do you dance to just one guy tapping a floor tom gently? Crazy. Crazy. But, and, and, and he, he, uh, so he, just very unique, very unique drummer. Yeah. Well, and, and also right, and so, a very unique, as a drummer, learning his stuff is also a bloody pain because he was a lefty, but he played right. So he fills differently because he leads with the wrong hand. So you've got to switch <laughs> your entire technique, and it's a nightmare trying to play his stuff sometimes. You know? so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah. if you could, if you could see, if we had a time, if we had a time machine, you know, if Jules Verne was right and we got this time machine, if you could go back and see any Tom Petty concert from history, which one would you oh, pick? The uh, the the uh, Fillmore East uh, thirteen shows. <laughs> right. You know, if I, and then if I had to limit it to one, I don't know, one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, such an intimate venue, right? And that that sort of, yeah, we're, we're not playing now. We're not, we don't have to do the greatest hits tour now. These are our fans. We can, because it's a residency, we can pull off some of the old deep cuts. We can play some of these songs we haven't played in 20 years. So, yeah. No, I'm presuming, you know, I'm just using imagination because we haven't heard those songs. Yet. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, but, you know, the, the, um, you know, if I if I couldn't do that, then I guess um, uh, 
I don't know. That's a really good question. I mean, he was, I think he was more at his peak live when, when he was wilder and younger. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, I, boy, I, I would have liked, um, you know, I, I mentioned that the 30th anniversary, 2006, the 30th an anniversary concert, which was terrific. You know, he got up and he said, you know, we're going to have a good time. I hope you got the you might need to call the babysitter yes. and have to stay late. So I'm thinking, oh man, he's going to play for three hours, but he only played for two, yeah. you know? And, uh, and I would have, I would just wished he had like, Hey, we're going to play for, we're going to play till it like, closed, closed down, you know? So, yeah. But he did, but that would, would have been, I would have really loved that. But, well, it's funny because that when, when I sort of thought about these questions, that's one of the ones that I would, that's, that's sort of in my top five of shows that I would have loved to have seen. Just yeah. because of the, I think it was the, you know, because it's back home and he's playing in front of his home crowd, that you could feel the warmth. You could feel that genuine sort of community sort of feel to that show where it was just a big party. It just felt like a big party. It wasn't a big band playing to a bunch of people. It was it was a communal thing. It, you really got that sense through the through the video, right? Yeah, there was there was definitely a sense in the audience of we were very proud, very of Tom, very yeah. happy to be there, and. Uh, Feeling very fortunate. Yeah. Okay, let's rip through these last ones. Then. So, Walls 3 or Walls Circus, which version of that song do you prefer, if you do prefer? Boy, it's like picking between the Lamborghini <laughs> and the Lotus. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know. God. Um, um, circus. Circus, yeah, it's funny. It's I, a little I, deeper. It's a little I keep, deeper. I keep telling people. I keep telling people that when I wrote that, because number three to me is always the definitive one, just because I imagine that's how he wrote it, right? Because it would have been acoustic, and it would have been he would have been sitting on acoustic. And that's how he wrote it. So that to me is always I've always connected with that one. But almost everyone else says walls. Almost everyone. So. Or your circus, you mean? Oh, yeah. Circus, sorry, yeah. Everyone says circus, so it's like yeah. Well, I think um, I think the 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 regular one was so that they could play it in concert. That's the one that they yeah. would play in concert. Yeah. The other, the, the the circus is much denser. It's more that Jeff Lynn style yeah. and not as easily played live. I right. mean, maybe, you know, I can't say nothing. I used to think that you could never play live uh, Day in a Life by the Beatles. You could yeah. never play that live. And then I saw the Fab Four do it live yeah. and I was like blown away. So I was yeah, like, okay, crazy. I can't say that you can never play any of these songs live because they can be duplicated now. You know, yeah, well, and, and even like I would say, don't come around here no more. When, the first time you hear that song, and then you start getting. When I got into Tom Petty, I thought, well, obviously, obviously they didn't do that one live because it's the the drum machine. It's it's such an, a weird off kilter rhythm that probably they wouldn't do that one live. And lo and behold, when you watch that, the huge production, and he's he's opening the chest with that, and Mike does that huge, I don't know, two three minutes sort of intro on that. On you know, and it, it's like. Oh, that's how you do that song live. Okay, yeah, you can do it live if you're Tom Petty. So, yeah, yeah. That, so we that... talked. We talked about them, you know, obviously him being such a prolific cover artist and people covering um, Tom Petty. If you could pick any artist to cover any Tom Petty song, and maybe one that someone hasn't already done because you know there's lots of Amanda Shires does stuff and Eddie Vedder famously does the waiting and, but if you, anybody covering any song, who would you have covering what song? Oh boy! Wow. Uh, you know, I tell you what, I will throw out yes covering walls. Circus. Oh my god! Now we're talking. Yeah. yeah. Now that Tom would be wild. Probably, Tom probably wouldn't. He wasn't a big progressive rock guy at all, right? Well, no, but 
Uh, I mean, they, they never mentioned, he never mentioned yes. And all yeah. the stuff I've read about him and, and uh, my sense is they weren't into progressive rock that much, but, um, but wouldn't that be really interesting? That would uh, be super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I think, uh, and like Dog on the Run from the official live leg, that again, that live song, and it's, you know, it's 10 minutes long. That's kind of got that, that middle section. That's prog rock, really. You know, when they go mm -hmm. off on those, those flights of fans, that kind of is prog. So I think even if they didn't love it, they certainly must have been aware of it. But yes, doing walls, that would be, that would be magnificent. Bring Rick, Wakeman, <laughs> bring Rick Wakeman back, maybe, and get him to ham up the keyboards a little bit. That'd be great. Yeah. I, so I went and saw Anderson Wakeman and Howe about five years ago, and they were okay. just... Uh, and I've seen yes, I saw yes in 73 or 74 and they were unbelievable. And yeah. uh, Anderson Wakeman and Hall were incredible, incredible. Yeah. They were incredible. The, and Wakeman's quite the showman here. He's quite the stage presence. Oh, he, he was. Yeah. 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 He, he had a circle of keyboards, you know, it's, yes. just, it's amazing. Yeah. I think he stopped wearing the cape now, though, right? Because I think it's a tripping hazard now. No, no, he one. still got the. Does he, he still the, wear it? Oh, a that's little awesome. shorter. Yeah, it's a little shorter. <laughs> a wizard, a wizard, a true star. Yeah. Oh, that's um, so cool. Is there a song if if people, when you are introducing, you said sort of you bring someone to a show and get them into Tom Petty or Mike Campbell that way? If you're introducing to someone or introducing Tom's music to someone who doesn't really know anything about the catalog, do you have a song that's one of your go-to's that you would say, "Well, listen to this," like as a starting point? Hmm. Boy, that's a good question. I guess you know, um, American Girl would be great, or yep. Breakdown, Refugee. You know, any of those those yep. initial breakthrough songs that he he came out with. You know, um, because sometimes music is so. Um, when you're trying to introduce people, you got to kind of come at it from where they're where they're there where they are, not where you'd like them to be. Yeah. Right. And so you know, if they're a big country fan you got to find you know a country tinged you know song that'll bring them in or or vice yeah. versa you know a hard rock song so it kind of depends you know it's yeah. that's a pretty tough one to answer because it isn't necessarily based on the song it's based on the personality of the person listening plus the song absolutely so. and that's sort of the way i feel too like i've had you know i have lots of friends it's kind of nice when i get because people know i do this podcast so i get younger friends now who i know through different channels and they say i've never listened to tom petty can you, can you send me a playlist it's okay well what are you into I listen to what I made. Mean. I said, okay, yeah, no, I can, I can work with that. If you're into the heavy stuff, I'll start with that and I'll throw a couple of other things in there. But I know these are the songs that you'll that you'll kind of like, and you know, stuff off Mojo. I should have known it. it's one of the first ones, Honeybee. I'll throw that in there. So if you want the crunch and you want the grind, yeah, the, Tom can do that. If you want something a little bit gentler into jazz, well, maybe it's this. If it's country, I'll throw Louisiana Rain at you, maybe, and I'll maybe I'll put Hometown Blues on there because that's a reasonable. There's probably common ground where you can latch onto something there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's that. Yeah, it's. Uh, the thing about here is that we hear Tom Petty music everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Gainesville. So uh, it's, it's not like, you know, you'd be hard pressed to find someone who's never heard a Tom Petty song. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> and they so, they run out of town pretty quickly if they do. So. <laughs> well, no, but, um, but it, you know, it's just, you know, you go to the supermarket and it's playing the supermarket, you go yeah. to a bar and it's playing, you know, in the overhead speakers and, you, you know, it doesn't matter where you go, but you, uh, <laughs> uh, I had a friend that just came down from Chicago and, and he kept pointing out, Hey, they're playing Tom Petty in the background. Wherever like, I go, yeah, they do that a lot here. <laughs> That's a good thing though. That's wonderful. It's better than a lot of the elevator music you get in, in certain places. Right. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you had to describe Tom Petty in three words, 
how would you do that? One cool dude. 